Welcome to Mission Control, Product Design's podcast on everything business, tech, and marketing. Since 2008, Peralta Design has launched hundreds of successful brands. Join Ramon and the PD Flight crew as they use decades of combined experience to tackle current events and interview guests while dropping valuable industry knowledge. At Peralta Design, we launch brands. But for now, let's launch right into this episode. Three, two, one, zero. Everybody, welcome to Mission Control. This is Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands. And we've got a very exciting show planned for you today. We have a very special guest. We have the one and only Mr. Dan Inafrio, the president and CEO of the Bridgeport Regional Business Council. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. I, yeah. I love being on the launch pad here. Absolutely. The studio audience is going wild to have you here. I, I love it. <laughs> I don't think I, I, I've never gotten that kind of round of applause. It's an honor to have for my family. A they, gentleman and a scholar We've here. been hyping this up for so long, and you're, you're finally here. Excellent. I love it. So, uh, listen, uh, we, we're going to dive right in. Um, we're going to talk about your background and, and being a business owner and Rita's, which I'm a big fan of. <laughs> And all that, all that exciting stuff in soccer. But first of all, I've got to celebrate my Knicks because it's you know they did this for the Knicks ancestors. They won, they won game two. Every Nick ever, you know, living or dead was at the as was at the Garden. I was blown away <laughs> by the turnout. Yeah. When when you talk about like you know you see John Starks Nick Legend show yeah. up and like I was just the energy. Yeah. At MSG, I mean it's the greatest venue in the world for sports. And like the energy that's in that building, I can only. I've imagine. never seen them win a championship in my life, and and uh, I think I was three years old the last time they did. So, I'm just taking it one step at a time. I was at the game, uh, the last time we were in the playoffs against the Hawks, where we won Game Two, and you would have thought they, they it was it was pandemonium. It was just the fans went nuts, and then we proceeded to exit really quickly from the playoffs. So it's like I don't want us to get too riled up until we can get past you know uh, these guys so it, it's just uh the heat the rivalry alonzo morning being in the audience incredible uh, this wow. is these are old these are names from the past yeah like, no, right you know, being the short italian guy you know i'm not a big i'm not a big uh <laughs> a basketball fan but i i at least know sparks and alonzo and all those guys yeah so yeah. I, well, I, I was just going to say, this is the beauty of being a fan of a bad sports team. Well, you know, it, you're a Mets fan. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> yes, but not exactly. Look at the turnaround. Once you get, once you're the, <laughs> listen, we're both Giants fans, so we can't really right, talk. True. So once you, when you're the fan of a bad sports team, when you see that turnaround, you've yeah. waited so long, it's a whole different type of energy. When you've stayed loyal, yeah. when you, you've survived every jab and every failure and only to see the pieces come together it's that much more satisfying well well get this so i'm a, you know as i mentioned i'm not a huge basketball fan but i'm a big soccer fan right growing mm-hmm. up italian and right now napoli is on the way to winning their first scudetto the italian championship in 33 years so you probably wow. heard the name diego Maradona. oh yeah 
that was the last time we won the championship oh, you know 89 90 season yeah wow. a long, long long time ago but southern italian is very superstitious so it's basically mathematically a done deal that they're going to win this thing right it's been over a week that mathematically they can win this thing however this italian superstition is setting in and all they need is like a point they got a tie or win guess what they haven't won anything in the last 10 10 days they're playing at this very moment and guess what they're losing so it's <laughs> wow. like can we prolong this agony of 33 years of uh you know them not winning a championship and, and here we are talking about the next you know basically like keep your fingers crossed right. your toes crossed and everything else you all nine yards you novena on monday right i know it's it, it comes down to coaching that's the part i'm, I'm nervous about because the heat have a really excellent coach it's bolstra and and thibs you know he leaves a lot to be desired i i'm not a coach as far as basketball but like if somebody's doing well you leave them in the game you know and if somebody's a game changer you don't leave them on the bench you know it's it's all timing and it's kind of like chess pieces and i feel like he has a style of the mike tyson you know uh corner where it's like get out there champ go get him you know but there's no real like there's direction no real strategy or direction <laughs> so, like, so the players when they're under pressure they they look like they're running out there to just try to win it themselves and and they don't have cohesion scrapping it Right, they're just, yeah, they're just out there. So it's interesting too when you talk about coaching, like when you talk about sports and about business. I mm -hmm. feel like momentum is this tangible thing. Right, when you can feel that pendulum shift yourself, your team, yeah. literally. I mean, that's a thing that that's a a wave that you can ride. And so I think I believe it's part of your responsibility as the coach, as the leader, yeah. to be able to, to see when that momentum shift is happening and capitalize. Yeah, you know what's fun to watch is. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he's been in. This, he's been at every game. Every he's trying sport. to endear himself to the to the New York fans. I guess. I mean, if you think about it, the the New York media is probably the most ruthless when it comes to being a sports team. No. Um, you, sure. If you have, if you don't have <laughs> thick skin, you're not going to really survive there. I think he's trying to make himself like, hey, this is home now. This is for real. It's a wait. Hold on, I missed something. It's official. Aaron he's Rodgers. official. He's uh, on the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. took forever to get happen? the deal done. Uh, I want to <laughs> say I've clearly been out of the loop. It was. They were trying to get the deal done for forever, and they couldn't really figure out what the conversation was going to be. And but the two teams were going back and forth. Nobody wanted to give an inch. He didn't want to give an inch. And then they finally came to the deal. And I want to say officially it was two, three weeks ago, so not too long ago. Uh, see, I was uh, in Italy. I have a pass. If it was early in April, I was right, in Italy. Right, okay, right, right. right, fair enough. I, I got a pass on that one. And Green Bay <laughs> fans are like good riddance because I, I, I played with uh, a, a gentleman at the Tap Cancer Out tournament um, You know, earlier, uh, earlier uh, well, not earlier, but late, I guess late April. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're, you know, shout out to John and Becky. They, they pulled together a great tournament down in Marvin, North Carolina. I played with, the, with Becky's parents and this gentleman from Wisconsin who just was like, he, he basically said, we're done with him. He, he became a jerk. You know, he was just like. Definitely the family is tired. Of yeah. They, they, they're like, just get, get lost. They, my, yeah. my wife went to school out in uh, Wisconsin, yeah. University of Wisconsin. And, um, you know, we have a lot of friends out that way. And yeah. I think all of them, it, it wasn't even this past season. It right. started it's, like a few exactly. seasons before they were just getting tired with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, be, it becomes a part of, uh, this is another thing, business, sports, share this. What have you done for me lately? It comes down to a, a big thing. And that is where there's just a, not a lot of faith um, in there anymore. Most of my, a lot, I have a lot of friends that are big Packers fans. Um, and they're ready for the next 
generation. They, I mean, they, they loved the years that he gave them, but they're ready for next chapter. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's switch gears a little bit. But talk about LeaderCast because we just came off of that. It was yesterday. It's an awesome program that 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 the uh, the Greater Valley Chamber puts together. It's it's a, you know their colleagues of Dan's and and uh, you know we're we're members of both and and um, it's one of those things that you know. I think is an investment in our team to be there and listen to all these great speakers. And the topic, which was very timely, was human intelligence. You know, we, everybody's talking about artificial intelligence. And, and Jorge, I, I think that that AI presentation hit home, you know. It really did. And I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fact that this is a, this is a watershed moment, really in like this turnkey, pivotal shift in humanity mm-hmm. that... um. I don't think a lot of people kind of just saw it as like a fun new toy and it's really about changing a lot of industries. Um, and the weight that the presenter was giving it is not unlike the splitting of the atom yeah. where you have good, you have nuclear power, for example, giving so many folks access to energy that wouldn't normally have it otherwise. However, by the same token, the damage that can be done when yeah. put in the in the wrong hands is equally powerful. Yeah, I mean, when she said that, I don't know, fifteen scientists committed suicide after they had created, you know, nuclear the, vision, the Manhattan Project right. after realizing what had right. been unleashed, right. they felt like they had unleashed the great evil. And the parallels to the to the, the Google exec who was like, "I'm out of here because I yeah. want to go warn the, people." The, the guy who's considered the godfather of AI yeah. is done with the pro, his project. And now the, the scariest part, I think, for a lot of people is realizing that emergence is starting to happen. So this is kind of like the that was wild that the Skynet moment where you have hey we we've used these language models but we haven't teached we haven't taught you Arabic and yet the language model was able to adapt and learn it independently. Um, there are yeah, researchers wild. who are using it for um, chemical compositions and it learned advanced chemistry and they didn't teach it that either. So it's the point where you start to lose control where it gets a little bit scary. I thought it was hilarious how it, how they asked it, you know, I'll write a script in the in the style of Quentin Tarantino, and then it plagiarized Pulp Fiction and spit that out as an answer. Well, that, that's the thing. I think a lot of people also, you, yeah. you want to make sure you take everything with a grain of salt in yeah. that. I think too many people are thinking about it as like the end-all, be-all, right. like the robot knows. And I'm like, it only no. knows what we what we told it it's mm. crawling the internet and it only actually knows through 2021 anything beyond that it has no idea of and it's only taking the information that was available to it in that yeah. in that period of time and spitting it back out mm-hmm. so there's a limit to all of it um yeah. and the scary part was it writing a paper creating false sources and then yes. when asked to quote the source that also being fabricated and putting it in quotes to make it look real, right? But it was it, it, so it's it's not clever, but it but it's uh, it just it's regurgitating information. And what I found interesting was because um, I can remember the Big Blue versus Gary, you know, uh, Kasparov, you know, the the chess match, and 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 she basically said that AI can't beat an AI plus a human working together the combination of both and yeah. that like that's going to be the hope is that we use it ethically and that we stay involved with it and and uh like you said they're, they're already you know programming it so that it can't make laws against itself or something <laughs> to that effect 
right <laughs> so to protect us exactly but um but the idea that that uh you know at the end of her presentation at, um she had everyone take an oath that we would use it ethically and we're already using it here as a tool um we're embracing it um we've had some brainstorms you know sometimes we'll 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 grab a few people and brainstorm some slogan ideas for a client and um and one you know all of a sudden one of our team members is using chat gpt to generate concepts and then it's like okay we can use this as a tool they're not clever enough to like say okay that's going to replace us but it's the combination of the human creativity with the artificial intelligence we have to embrace it it isn't going anywhere we just all have to make a promise to um to use it for good um be ethical because i think much like is the plot of most spy movies where there's a bad guy running around with uranium there are going to be bad guys running around with ai um and 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 we need good guys to to stay on that fight but um dan once again want to welcome you to the show for having me yeah um let's dive in man tell tell us how you got to be the president of the brbc and ceo well it's a little bit of a roundabout story but um you know, I'm coming from the corporate space. Uh, mm-hmm. I was running, a, I was the operations guy over at a company called the EDR, Environmental Data Resources, for 20 plus years. I had a stint there for about nine years. Then we sold the business. I left, uh, got recruited back uh, in 2008, which what brought me back to Connecticut as I was living in Philadelphia at the time. Uh, but prior to uh, leaving Connecticut in early 2000, after we had sold the business the first go around, uh, I was on the board of education in the Valley in Derby, particularly in the Derby public school system. Uh, and I was young, late 20s, but I was always a community-oriented individual. Uh, Can I ask, what, that's just something that I've, I've known of you since basically the first day I met you, mm-hmm. is Dan as a community guy. Where did that come from? Like, what do you owe that to, would you say? Or is that something that's totally your own that came from somewhere else? I, you know, I would love yeah, to it's know. a good question. I, I You know, I've always... Uh, I've been fortunate, you know, my parents immigrated here from Italy and, uh, hardworking, uh, you know, didn't speak the language when they first got here and they built a nice life for themselves. Uh, and they've always given back, uh, as much as they could. Right. Uh, you know, both my parents worked, uh, you know, my dad worked two jobs at one point and, uh, they've always given back. So I think I've just learned from them on, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, you gotta be part of a community. You gotta give back where, where and when it makes sense and however you can. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate in a way I didn't go to through the dirty public schools. I went to St. Joseph's high school in mm-hmm. Trumbull. My father gave me the opportunity to go there and I did. Um, but you know, I grew up in Derby and it's a nice small town and Valley's great. Um, smallest town, the smallest city. Yeah. Smallest, smallest city, city in yeah. Connecticut. That's right. And, uh, I always, uh, thought, gosh, if I end up settling here and marrying and raising a family, you know, how can I make the school system good enough so that I feel comfortable sending my kids there? Uh, so at, you know, 27, 28 years old, I, I ran for public office in, in uh, the Board of Education. I got elected. And, uh, and ever, I remember, you know, everyone like, why are you on the Board of Ed? You don't even have kids. I'm not even married. I'm like, well, I just want to contribute, you know, mm-hmm. and I, maybe this is just one way for me to contribute. So being a, a good Board of Ed member, you know, I participated with the Valley Chamber on, you know, reading day. You know, mm-hmm. we would read to the kids and all this stuff. So, at that time, I was the youngest guy in the room, you know, uh, at these chamber events and, and uh, city events going on. So I, I ended up leaving, right? I, I, we sold the business. I got uh, a job down in Philadelphia and um, I was gone for, you know, from 2000 to 2008. And 
when I got relocated back, we brought back a little piece of Philadelphia, which Ramon alluded to before, Rita's Italian Ice. And uh, we opened up a Rita's Italian Ice in Bridgeport, Connecticut. This year, we're celebrating our 15th year this year. Wow, I didn't realize that's where it came from originally. Philadelphia, yeah. It's a franchise business out of Philadelphia. I don't know. There's probably 360, 370 of them across the country now. Uh, so we brought it to Connecticut, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. And uh, being a good business owner, what do you do? You join the chamber, right? Like, yeah. like, like Peralta Design, and you get involved in the community. And I remember going to a Valley Chamber meeting, and Bill Purcell, you know, good friend of mine, colleague of mine. Uh, I remember going to this meeting, I forgot what it was, and I happened to be, this is 10 years later now, right? I happened to be still the youngest guy in the room at 30, 38, whatever, however old I was. So I remember walking up to Bill and I said, Bill, you know, you know, I was here 10 years ago. I was the youngest guy. I'm here 10 years now. It's the same people around the table it's, and I'm still the youngest guy. So what's going on? And he said, yeah, we need to do a better job of connecting with our young professionals and figuring that out. So that was uh, my, I guess, uh, where I identified a little bit of an opportunity for myself. Me and a few other folks from the Valley started the Young Emerging Professionals, which is now called Fuel. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very proud of that organization. I'm proud of the work that Melanie uh, Stroud has done. And I know Kevin, I think, is, yes. is leading the way now and uh, here from Peralta Design. And, you know, it's important for us to uh, engage with our 20 and 30-year-olds, our, our young professionals, and get them uh, connected in their communities. Um, you know, and everybody has their own way of doing that. And there's no right or wrong way. But... I feel the business community has has a responsibility to to get engaged in that. So uh, we started Yep, uh, which is now Fuel, and uh, you know I started Rita's. Uh, now, how does that jive with? Because you're old school Italian in many ways. Mm -hmm. You got Italian ice, but yeah. then you went with Rita's. That's right. Is Rita's like a derivative? Did they start as an Italian? Ice franchise, or is it nah. completely different? So, if you go some to, of the brand names of how they mix the custard, it sounds Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting. So, if you go to Philadelphia, if you go to a Rita's outside of the tri-state area, mm. it's called Rita's Water Ice. Okay. It's not called really? Rita's Italian Ice. Is that a local? It brand? is. So, down in Philadelphia, Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, you say water ice, they know right away what you're you're talking about. So, we're used to the Italian ice that's shaved, it's you hard, you scrape it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, if you say water ice up here, they're gonna be like, what? They're gonna look at you kind of, you got 10 heads, right? So when we brought the product here to Connecticut, we went back to the franchise and said, listen, we need to change the name, at least for the tri-state area. Um, so, you know, it's still technically water ice. Um, it's a little bit more slushy than your You're traditional right. Italian ice. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a... I'm not a big dessert eater. You know, I'll, you put a bowl of pasta in front of me, I'm going to eat it all day long. But dessert, it's... it's, it's can, I, can I ask, what's your favorite pasta? Uh, that's a tough one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Give me top three, because I know it's tough uh, for me, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I love lasagna, but I couldn't put it as my favorite because it limits me to just that dish. It is. Whereas I need... Uh, oh. I'm going to tell you this, and this is a plug to a local business, mm -hmm. um, Durante's Pasta. Um, they're, they're now operating out of West Haven. Uh, they're a great family from the Valley. Uh, but if you're familiar with Altamari's and Derby, I mean, mm -hmm. on Elizabeth mm -hmm. street, it used to be when I was growing up Durante's pasta and, um, uh, uh, Amadeo and his wife, Carmela used to make the pasta right out of there and they make a cavatelli. So it's a little lighter than mm -hmm. your gnocchi. Yeah. Um, not as heavy. And since I was a kid growing up, you know, my mom would send me to Durante's after uh, church, you know, to get the grated cheese and and pick up a 
you know, a couple bags of um, a couple pounds of cavatelli, and I just have cavatelli stuck in my, you know, my palate. You know, so, so even good. when I cavatelli was cavatelli and broccoli, yeah, I like broccoli, the texture, a little bit of sausage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so even when I was in Philadelphia, I would come up to see my parents, visit my folks. I'd always go back home with a bag or two of Durante's cavatelli. So it's a plug for some good friends of mine nice. uh, uh, out in West Haven. Um, and uh, so beyond that, my mom makes you know. Gosh, she makes you ravioli, lasagna, you name it. It's all homemade pasta. Homemade so. sauce, too. Homemade sauce, everything. Yeah. So I invite you guys to come up to the Italian club, the Sons and Daughters of Italy up in yes. Derby, which is another pet project. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, because yeah. Because that place, you have the you have like the clubhouse, yep. the back. You know, yep. I got to hang out with you and Harry there for a minute. And it's, right. it's yeah. just so, uh, it's yeah. like ta- time stands still in that 100%. place. 100%. Yeah, we'll be doing the cigar night again, June oh, that 9th. Was fun. Um, we're going to do it on the clubhouse side this time. The menu will be, I think, solid yeah, too. That again. was a so fun night. It, it is. It's a good place, uh, you know. And I, that's that's just my way of trying to keep the Italian traditions going with the kids. I run an Italian camp out of there. It's that's a whole other conversation. But, um, but yeah, going back to my story. Uh, so we brought Rita's up here. I joined the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working at EDR. We ended up selling the business again in 2018, um, which unfortunately, yeah, you know, I say unfortunately, but we sold it to private equity. So what happens then, you know, they consolidate everything. So a lot of all the executives were basically done, um, which I knew about. Um, so I took some time off and, um, you know, Bill Purcell circles back around one day and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, you know, the BRBC, the Bridgeport Regional Business Council is looking for uh, their next president. Um, you're the guy for the job. You got You got to go after it. So you know, I didn't think I'd go into nonprofit, but at the same time, uh, you know, coming from the corporate sector, having 20 plus years there, uh, and especially the, the last few years, you know, when, when we were getting ready to sell the organization again, uh, we knew we weren't going to sell it to a private organ, you know, a, a private business. And it just changes the dynamic. You know, you hear a lot of these war stories, you know, with, with uh, corporate businesses just managing by the numbers. And it's still a great business, great organization. I got a lot of friends that are still there, but Definitely the the family oriented um, business that I remember was no longer. So uh, it took some time off, and I applied for the BRBC job. And sure enough, I, I surprisingly I got it. Uh, I say surprisingly only because, um, uh, you know, Bridgeport is is changing. You know, it they're they had a heyday uh, with the titans, as I call them, the big businesses. But Bridgeport's no longer like that. It's 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 definitely changing. So I think they were looking. Uh, to me as a, a bit of a change agent and how we operate around you know how we support businesses in Bridgeport. Well, I've been a big fan of yours since you started because I said, this guy's going to understand what running a business is all about and what the challenges are in running a business because you had one, you know, so, and I think you brought the best of both worlds because you need to be a liaison between those corporate members and the small business members and kind of know what, what services do they need? What, what what connections can you make? Um, and so I think you've been doing a fantastic job. Thank you, Ramon. I appreciate it. Well, it's, it's you know, my board asks me often, and, and friends, they say, gosh, you know, it's hard. You seem, you seem to be really working hard, you yeah. know, and uh, you still like it. You're you enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I wake up every morning jazzed yeah. to go to work, and I go to bed very content at night um, because I know I've helped somebody that day. You know, there's so much that we can and should be doing, you know, and as a nonprofit, you're a little bit under-resourced, mm-hmm. uh, especially being member-driven where a good portion of our our revenue comes from. Um, but, you know, we're helping organizations. You know, just earlier this week on Tuesday, we uh, hosted a uh, it's Small Business Week, if you're not uh, already aware, but 
uh, we hosted a uh, an entrepreneurial uh, exchange over at Gather in downtown Bridgeport in partnership with our downtown special services district and a small minority business enterprise out of the city of Bridgeport. Uh, and we're getting businesses exposed to the Connecticut Boost Fund right. uh, opportunities for them to uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs uh, figure out a way to launch and sustain their existing businesses and perhaps hopefully grow their businesses. So we brought together 100 plus people about 20 different uh, support partners that provide services and access to capital and your business writing plans, all those things. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should be doing, you know, and they're not all members, but you know what, we're not in this. In the end, the money's going to come, but it's our responsibility as a business organization to bring these people together, member or not, um, and give them an opportunity to grow. And they're going to see the value that that we're providing. Absolutely. Can you go over the kind of the, organizational structure of brbc because you have you have stratford you have trumbull um then there's a bridgeport chamber of commerce that's right that's part of it and i think for the layman the logos all kind of look the same yeah and so it's, it's we, we need a branding exercise yeah. <laughs> so how does i might be in the right seat right i think so <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how all of those chambers are interconnected 100 percent. yeah and this is one of the things when i first started i was confused on myself mm-hmm. and figuring out how they interacted with each other um, so the BRBC, the Bridgeport Regional Business Council, is a makeup of three chambers of commerce. It's the Bridgeport Chamber of Commerce, the Trumbull Chamber of Commerce, and Stratford Chamber of Commerce, okay? Um, now, that distinction from the BRBC is very important because if you think about our local economies, you know, 80-plus percent of, of your local economy is really driven by the small and mid-sized businesses. They're, those are the folks who are employing local people. Uh, those people are living in the area, um, you know, they're contributing back into that local economy. Uh, so you, you dissect each community, um, like a Trumbull, for instance, Trumbull's businesses, the, the opportunities, the challenges, the, um, uh, their needs are just different than those of, of a city like Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. Um, they're different than those of the city of Stratford or town of Stratford, excuse me. Um, so it's important. The chamber plays a very important role within their respective community for those businesses on Main Street. Um, and that holds true in Stratford, Bridgeport, here in, in Shelton and, and, you know, Fairfield, regardless of what community you're talking about. But um, the power of the BRBC, the Bridgeport Regional Business Council, the opportunity that we have there is when we talk about business recruitment, we talk about business retention, we talk about economic development opportunities. We talk about government relations and public policy. Um, and this is something that Connecticut in general has a really hard time grasping. We're better talking in those circles of conversation as a region, as greater Bridgeport. Um, you know, infrastructure needs. You know, when a business is looking to come into uh, Connecticut, you know, and they look at Hartford, or New Haven, or, or Bridgeport or whatever, you know, it's better for us to look holistically around our region and our regional economy. Um, and that's the power of the BRBC because now that small business on Main Street in Trumbull uh, or Stratford or Bridgeport for that matter, they're getting, um, you know, an added value of being part of this larger conversation indirectly. Mm-hmm. And that's important because if more businesses come into the community, what happens to that business? They're going to have more opportunities to grow. Um and so I'm very proud of the work that we do at the BRBC um, in these regional conversations. You know, this is a small example of why this, this is important. During the, right on the onset of the pandemic, we had a business in Stratford that was being bought by a company in West Hartford. They were 
right out of the gate, you're just going to consolidate this company and move it all up West Hartford. Small business, 20 plus employees, not a lot, but still significant, 20 local employees, right? And so now these 20 employees are pro were probably going to have a choice. They were either going to get half, you know, an opportunity to relocate up to West Hartford or perhaps commute, which who wants to commute to West Hartford every day. Uh, or, you know, unfortunately, maybe some of them were maybe going to get let go because they were considering consolidating. Um, so we went uh, in a partnership with the town of Stratford and Mary Dean, who's the economic de development director there, is wonderful. Uh, you know, we went and spent some time with the business to understand what their needs are and why, ask questions about why they're considering consolidating and what, what's not working in Stratford. And a gentleman was pretty forthright. He said, look, you know, it's great business, but we out, you know, this space doesn't meet our needs for how we're going to grow this company in the future. So we asked the next a logical question. Well, what do you need? And, um, and, you know, unfortunately we could not find that, that fit in Stratford, but the light bulb goes off and I said, well, gosh, I know Rena Bacalar over in Trumbull, mm, economic development love director. Rena. Big fan of Rena. Shout awesome. out to Rena. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, so we call Rena and, and Mary and Rena get together and guess what? We relocated the bit, not we, but you know, they yeah. relocate the business to, uh, to a space in Trumbull. Those 20 plus employees are still there. Nice. Uh, you know, we kept that um, that business in the region, which is very important, right? Yeah. And we kept those people employed, and that's that's what we should be doing. Those kind Absolutely. of those kind of connections. That's a success story. Yeah, and I love what what Rena and Trumbull have done there, where Echo and Golf Tech, that little that new plaza Excellent there, plaza. Where, where Layla's is, and now Freiburg is there. Yeah. That, that yeah. whole little area there, Mariana's Pantry. Mariana's pantry. Plug to my paisans over there <laughs> at, at Mariana's. Absolutely. <laughs> so we we had a good time working with you um, on CT Makes It. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about tell our listeners a little bit about that initiative. Sure. So we you know we have a, our mission in general at the BRBC is is to really to grow our local our economy here in Greater Bridgeport and um, you know create jobs uh, and opportunities. And just in case some of our listeners aren't aware if you're talking about the entire greater bridgeport region what are you what are you considering yeah it's a, that's a great point so when we talk about regionally what that footprint looks like it goes it does go beyond Fairfield, um sorry trumbull stratford and bridgeport it in, it's inclusive of fairfield monroe and easton hartford looks at greater bridgeport as those six communities okay okay now of course there's bleed over into shelton mm -hmm. and to the greater valley and the milford mm -hmm. um you know and a little bit further down county um, but when we're talking about Greater Bridgeport, generally we're we're looking through the lens of those six communities of Bridgeport, Stratford, Trumbull, Fairfield, Monroe, and of course Easton. <clears throat> so Connecticut makes it, yeah, huge opportunity for the BRBC uh, and the manufacturing community. Um, you know, we had an opportunity. Governor Lamont in 2020 uh, codified the Office of Workforce Strategy. Might have been one of the first uh, offices at a state level uh, that was geared 100% towards workforce development in the country. I think I, really Connecticut was ahead of the game here. Uh, and they came back to the regions, in our case, Greater Bridgeport, and said, hey, you know, we are asking you to identify the industry, the sector that really drives your economy. Um, and hopefully bring that industry together in a conversation that, you know, the term that they used was regional sector partnerships. So we looked at the BRBC and in partnership with some state folks, looked at Greater Bridgeport and, you know, right out of the gate, you look at and you look at the employment figures, you say, OK, healthcare. You know, we have two wonderful hospitals and the, and the support system that support both of those hospitals in, in Bridgeport. Um, and, and you look at that and say, OK, 
healthcare seems to be a big employer, a uh, big driver of our economy. You know, through my perspective, you know, not that I don't like healthcare, of course we need it, but you know, are they the ones that really need the help and support? I don't know. You know, I, uh, I feel like healthcare is going to continue to do the things they need to do. They're going to get the support they need to do. Um, of course, you know, they can always use more support. Um, so I looked at the next sector below healthcare and, and surprisingly to me, manufacturing stood out. Um, you know, to give you a little bit of sense of the, the, the breadth of this thing, uh, Fairfield County has, uh, well, first, the state of Connecticut has over 4,000 manufacturers. Break it down to Fairfield County, there's about 400 in Fairfield County. You break it down a little further, Bridgeport, the city of Bridgeport uh, alone has 170 manufacturers. You say that number to people, they're like, what? 100%. So you look at Greater Bridgeport and, and the employment figure for um, manufacturing, the manufacturing sector, and um, without Sikorsky and Lockheed Martin and Stratford and without ASML down in Wilton, um, that sector employs over 20,000 people in Greater Bridgeport. It's a very significant number. Uh, so right out of the gate, I said, okay, that tells you if there's 170 of these manufacturers in Bridgeport, that tells you that they're not big shops. They're five, 10, maybe 50 employees. And maybe, you know, maybe you got a couple oddballs there with 200 people or so, but not many that are up over 100 people. So, you know, the light bulb goes off and says, gosh, this seems like a sector that can probably use some support. And meanwhile, the state of Connecticut was starting to rally around manufacturing. So we um, uh, are the convening and leading uh, partner for what we're calling the Southwest Connecticut Manufacturing Partnership. And with your help here at Parole, Parole to Design, we, we built basically a platform, a website, uh, ctmakesit.com, um, for our manufacturers. It was something that was basically an idea that got created by the CEOs of a handful of manufacturing businesses in Greater Bridgeport. Uh, and we're still convening those conversations with these manufacturing partners, trying to identify how we can bridge the gap between um, their needs for employment and workforce development opportunities, because we do have a hard time here in Connecticut. We have the skilled staff. We, have, we don't do a great job of bridging the opportunities with the talent that exists here. Um, that, that's problem one. Problem two is uh, that the way we're producing things are just different now. You know, you, you say manufacturing and a parent, you know, my generation, they say, well, you know, it's dark, dingy, dirty, you know, and manufacturing is just not like that anymore. No, it's it's clean, very it's high tech, very high tech. And, um, and unfortunately our education system in the state and probably across the country, you know, we're just used to, you know, our, our forefathers don't want their kids to, to have the same lives that they've had. So they're, they're they encourage their, their kids to go through the four year traditional four year, institution. And I'll tell you, you know, uh, I just earlier this week read a, a statistic, the chronic absenteeism in our schools is very high. I'm mean, like, I'm talking like 40 plus percent. It's a very, very high number, especially in the urban cities, right? So that's, that statistic is nationwide. It's a Connecticut number. Though. Okay. Yeah. And don't quote me officially on the number, but I'm pretty confident that the average statewide is around 50, 40%. Wow. Um, and it goes higher as you get into the urban uh, communities, like a Bridgeport, for instance. And um, yeah, that tells you that you know those students probably aren't going to college, <laughs> right? So what what are their alternatives? Mm -hmm. And we've got good paying jobs, good careers um, for these folks, um, and not just the student that's in high school or at a technical school, but someone that maybe is in a career transition. Um, 
you know, there, there are opportunities out there in manufacturing here in Connecticut, furthermore, in, in greater Bridgeport. So we're really proud of the work that we're doing there. Um, ironically, this morning, we just hosted our second annual manufacturing expo at Houston Community College, who has a great advanced manufacturing program there. And, um, you know, we had 40, 40 manufacturers there, large and small. Uh, Lockheed was there all the way down to, you know, uh, a woman that was baking cookies, you know, uh, you know, but it, she produces stuff, right? Yeah. You know, we we got to think of that too. You know, we have two roads in Stratford. We've got a bunch of breweries. We've got uh, Nuovo Pasta in Stratford as well. You know, they're producing consumables, but they're still making stuff. Yeah. And we have to look at manufacturing through that lens. So we were, we were excited about today. We had well over 500 people come through there. We bust in students from the technical schools and high schools. And what I was surprised to see, we did see a lot of 30 and 40 year olds coming through with their resumes too. Um, and think about it, a manufacturing business isn't just assembly, it's not just mechanics, it's not just electronics, it's not just the CNC machine work. You know, they're businesses, yeah. they have marketing departments, right. <laughs> they have finance, they have IT, they have HR. Yeah. So um, we shouldn't um, forget about manufacturing as, a, as an economic driver. And I think for us, at the BRBC, that's precisely the work that we should be doing. We should be bringing industry together. In this particular case, it's manufacturing and helping them identify the opportunities, challenges, and needs, and and helping them resolve them. And that's what we're doing with the, the manufacturing partnership. Awesome. Did you have you seen a uptick in onshoring? You know, maybe things that were produced in China that were now difficult to get or very expensive. Are now kind of being brought back to the states. I, there's definitely an effort, yeah. um, but there's there's a, a challenge there too because the way things are produced, having the talent, how you're going to produce them. And here's another example for you: the offshore wind industry, big big opportunity for Connecticut. Right? Everyone's heard about uh, Park City Wind in Bridgeport and and um, uh, the offshore wind investment that the state of Connecticut's making with uh, New London, with the with the pier they're building out these there. Are, these are the big windmills you put out They're, in the ocean. Exactly. So just to clarify, you're not going to see big windmills in, in Long Island Sound. Um, but Bridgeport, being a deep water port, has a tremendous opportunity to help with the assembly, help with the operations right. and maintenance. Um, I do believe, you know, where we are now, most of the assembly will happen in New London. Um, but a lot of the operation and maintenance stuff will come through uh, Bridgeport Harbor. And um, so you talk about those windmills. There's over, well over 6,000 parts that go into those windmills, okay? Not one of those parts is made in, uh, made in the United States. Wow. So there's a tremendous opportunity for our manufacturing community to identify what that supply chain looks like. What, how, do, how do they modify their, their production and their opportunities so that they can support that industry? Yeah. Yep. So those are the things that, you know, organizations like ours are trying to help industry resolve. Yeah, we don't have the answers, but that's the beauty of and why I love my job is we know someone that can help you. So let us let us work together. You're to a connector. Hey, 100%. Now, you made me think of the harbor there because I love going to Boca. We were supposed to meet there. Mm -hmm. um, but that whole area, I've, I've heard, is it true that they're, they're thinking of moving the ferry and how it comes in and possibly building it up a little bit? Yes. So um, there's a few things happening with the ferry. They have an opportunity to move um over on the east side there uh and build a new pier they are in need of a new pier even though they're existing so they're trying to really hard not to put that investment where they are today for a bunch of reasons um a lot of people are scratching their head like why are they going to move it doesn't make any sense um you know and I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer in this particular yeah. case but when you put your business hat on right 
um, you know, the, the, the ferry folks, it makes a lot of sense for them to move over to that new location because the cost, you don't think about this, but the cost for that ferry to turn around in the harbor by Boca. Basically backing up. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a cost associated with that and the maneuvering. And then there's the complications of now with the traffic that's coming into the harbor now because of the marina, Mm -hmm. um, the wake that it creates. So for them, and even from a storm resiliency perspective, it's actually better for them to be closer to Pleasure Island than it is to um, to uh, to where they are. It would be Mountain. nice to have kind of a reciprocal experience, like when you get to Port Jeff, you can walk out, get get ice cream, you know, mm-hmm. window shop, to have something similar. So when the ferry comes to Bridgeport, people could come here, yep. and and it looks like you could. I mean, we've. Jorge and I we don't want to date ourselves, but we've heard this story for many years that it's going to become like Baltimore's Inner Harbor and, and, and Steel Point. And, and I don't know what they're going to do with those factories there that I, I don't think they're operational anymore. Um, across the harbor? Across from, the harbor. From Boca? Yeah. So that's the coal plant site, the, okay. big, the big monstrosity. What's, what are they going to do so with that? So the coal plant site is decommissioned. It yes. hasn't made a run since uh, June of 2021. I think okay. it made its last run. So it's been out of use, basically. And right in front of that is the new uh, station that's producing power for the region, um, and it's using natural gas. Um, and it produces, if uh, don't quote me on the numbers, but it's significant, significantly more at almost virtually zero. Right, more efficiently. Yeah, more efficiently at like virtually no no carbon footprint mm-hmm. um, compared to what the coal plant was um, on a much smaller you know, footprint of, uh, of the space that it's using. So um, right now it's a tremendous opportunity for yeah. the city on what the future use of the coal plant is going to be because it is going to come down. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of time. And just for everyone whoever's, who's listening, the smokestack <laughs> will likely come down. <laughs> The candy That's cane smokes. Yeah, no, everybody. Skyline. I get a. I, I'm not kidding you. I get a call <laughs> once every couple months. Hey, is that smokestack coming down or is it staying? And you, you can't take it down. Um, well, you know, if we want the airport to succeed, the regional airport, right. and um, and and just the cost to maintain the smokestack, even if we took it everything else down, it just doesn't make sense. Right. So um, I would be shocked if that 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 uh, that smokestack stays. I, I'm pretty confident it's going to come down. Um, so right now, the BRBC and more importantly, MetroCog, our Council of Governments that represents the six communities that I've, I've mentioned before from an economic development perspective, um, they uh, have received some grant dollars to do a feasibility study on what the best and most productive use of the coal plant site will be. And that's in partnership with PSEG, the, the, the owners of, of that plant and who are currently responsible for taking down the plant uh, in part with the city of Bridgeport. Um, so there's some discussions that need to happen. You know, I think it's our hope that the plant comes down sooner versus later because it is an eyesore now, mm-hmm. especially, you know, if you look across the harbor where the marina is and yeah. Steel Point, um, you know, they're about to put a shovel in the ground any any day now for the 400 apartments that are going in there. You know, I know there's some hotel activity that are talking about perhaps uh, a, a hotel coming in at some mm-hmm. point in the future. So, you know, as, those, as, as Steel Point continues to develop itself and the east side continues yeah. to get more developed, you know, it's going to be nice to see the, the, the coal plant come down. Yeah. What the future use is, who knows? I think we there's some unanswered questions related to the environmentals there. Um, yeah, um, you know, but but something will go there, uh, and, I, and hopefully it's going to be something that's going to drive the economy. 
uh, and be useful for the community and, um, and uh, you know, provide jobs. Speaking of, how's the amphitheater been treating Bridgeport? Uh, Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, anytime you get thousands, thousands of people coming through, and I forgot the, don't quote me on the number of it, it was several hundred thousand people came through last summer, you know, for for amphitheater shows. And then plus you couple that with the the 30,000 people they had at the the Sound on Sound over at Seaside. Uh, you know, it's a great thing. And, um, you know, music is a big economic driver. You know, I, uh, we did our whole annual meeting last year around the arts, culture, and tourism sector in Bridgeport. You know, we're in a place now where we're trying to reinvent ourselves a little bit. You know, a lot of the big industry has left Bridgeport. You know, the bigger banks are gone now. So what does the future of Bridgeport look like? And I think there's a big push for uh, Bridgeport being an, uh, um, a destination for a lot of folks. Uh, so we have a great product with the Bridgeport Islanders at the arena. Um, you know, they bring in some shows. Uh, they had Andrea Bocelli, you know, oh. over the winter, which was a beautiful show. Uh, and of course, right next door to the amphitheater and, and the good work that they're doing there and Live Nation bringing some really cool. Quali- I saw Sting there. And it's, inc- and fire it's incredible. In it's Bridgeport. In, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And people are like, why are they going to Bridgeport? <laughs> yeah, but it makes complete sense. You yeah. know, they're, they're on their way yeah. to other venues and, and Bridgeport's a great stop. It's, it's the success story of the marina. Yeah. You know, people are asking, why is there a marina in Bridgeport? Well, think about it. You know, the, the Christophs were brilliant. There's not a, a, a deep water port for a yacht that's 100 plus feet long to gas up between South Jersey and Newport. And guess what? That's where all they're all going back and forth between there. So they said, gosh, Bridgeport's perfectly situated to, to be to fill that void, to fill that need. And, and they've doubled down on that and they've been successful. Awesome. Um, Without going all the way back into COVID, I know that that affected chambers because, you know, your two main revenue drivers would be like members and events. And during that time, everybody kind of hunkered down. And then you guys didn't benefit from PPP like small businesses did. I think it was a designation Mm -hmm. you guys have. What's it looking like now, um, membership-wise? Who is, first of all, Kudos to you to, to navigate through that tough time because you guys you guys came out unscathed and, and maintained a presence, you know, a strong presence. And we maintained our membership as many others. But um, coming out of the other side now, I know there's a lot of economic uncertainty, but as, a, as, a, as the leader of the chamber, what efforts are you guys making and seeing in, in generating new members? Um, what's a good member for you? What does that look like? And uh, and speak to those folks here on this broadcast, and and let us know what's the best way for them to reach you. Yeah, thanks, Ramon, <clears throat> for the opportunity. Yeah, you know, COVID was tough, uh, as many chambers uh, probably did. I don't know for sure, but you know, we downsized quite a bit to kind of recalibrate, mm-hmm. make sure that we can weather the storm. And we are on the uptick now. We are, in fact, we're looking to hire an events coordinator um, because a big part of our revenue is our events right. and bringing people together. Um, so we're looking forward to doing that. We just hired a full-time, um, membership sales individual and we restructured a little bit. Um, you know, for us, yes, membership is important. Of course, we want our members to, to write the check, you know, every year or every month, however they pay. Um, but what's more important to me, um, is the engagement from the community and from the members. So a lot of people ask me, you know, well, who you're going after, you know, in Bridgeport's changed. The big businesses aren't there. You know, there's a handful of them. Are they members of 100%? Um, but we can't sustain by the 
the 20% that are paying 80% of our revenue, you know? Um, so, you know, how do you grow the organization? And I've, I'm a believer in the small and mid-sized business. I mentioned at the top of the show here that, you know, they're the ones that are really driving our local economy. And furthermore, you know, maybe it's a bit idealistic, maybe it's a bit, um, you know, lofty, but I believe strongly, and this speaks a little bit to what we were talking about before about our young, the young professionals group here in the Valley and the one that we have in Greater Bridgeport, uh, our Thrive uh, Emerging Leaders program. I believe strongly that if you live and you work in Greater Bridgeport, um, everyone should participate in their local chamber. Uh, you all have a vested interest for the business community to thrive and to succeed. Um, we're talking about, you know, bridging the gap of talent and building the workforce of tomorrow. And, um, you know, who better to get connected at a very low cost, no cost with our young professionals group, our 20 and 30 year olds, and help them develop some of their leadership skills and professional development. You don't need to be a full-fledged BRBC member to participate in that program. Um, you know, we can provide you the leadership and training that, that you need to help support the small businesses that maybe don't have the resources to invest in their talent. And guess what? By you participating, um, whether as an individual or sponsored by your business, and you, you know, like you do a great job, Ramon, of getting your people out there. And that's a testament to you as a good business owner, because now Jorge, Kevin, you know, Maggie, all, all your team they feel like you care about them and that you're investing in them, even though it's, you know, in some cases it's not a huge dollar amount, but um, they're, they're representing your business now, right? Where you can't get to everything, right. but it's a, you're, it's a way of cloning myself, but developing them at 100%. the same time. And think about the retention tool that that creates for you. Yeah. So I think if we can get businesses, both large and small to think that way um, would be great. And then again, Going back to uh, some of the programming with leadership and professional development and all those things, you know, we also have a women's leadership network. It's, it's, and you want to talk about a group of people that get, you know, shit done for lack, for lack of a, a better way of saying it. It's yeah. our, it's our women's leadership network. I mean, they, they, they crush it, yeah. uh, you know, and, and Fernanda's uh, active in that. As yeah, well. exactly. You know, and then we offer, you know, more longer term, higher investment opportunities for people to get connected with greater Bridgeport. So to answer your question, you know, I think if you live and work in, in Greater Bridgeport, you have to participate, and there's something there for you, a hundred percent. And then, uh, you know, traditionally, and this is what I'm seeing at the BRBC, um, in a, in our, at our chambers, you know, we are a B2B business network, for, for lack of a better way of saying it. But, um, and 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 we haven't really done a great job of serving. The smaller retailer, the smaller restaurant. Well, we have those folks in our network, um, but there's this whole B to C model that yeah. you know we have the platform for these people to participate. So how can we make it attractive for them and beneficial for them to get engaged? Because the traditional model of chambers is bring, bringing people together for meetings and networking and all that stuff. But think about it: the the restaurant owner doesn't have the time they're no, they're in the, the kitchen chief, yeah, you know chief uh, cook bottle that's washer. right that's right that's right so um how do we continue to evolve our programming and i think that's what we're seeing for, uh, with chambers and organizations like ours associations trade associations you know is, is being able to adapt and evolve and continue to provide the value for for the businesses so that they want to maintain not just their membership but be engaged and and that's kate people's role at our office is in her her job okay. and she does an awesome job you know, she was running our event. The reason why we have the events coordinator position open, she was our events coordinator. And we moved her into this member engagement role because I'm sincere when I say 
yeah, I want your check, of course. I need to keep the lights on, but I want your participation more importantly. I want Jorge to come to an event. You know, I love you too, Ramon, but I, yeah, I'd rather see Maggie, you know. Um, you know, she's friendlier than you. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, you know it's, 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 I'm sincere when I say That's that. True. You know, all kidding aside. It ties back to the whole thing you were saying before. When you noticed yourself being the youngest person in the room, how do we get this next generation involved and involved earlier mm -hmm. to create a more cohesive community? Yep. And I will also add, just as an opportunity, um, you know, I'm trying real hard to, to, to extend the ice. I use the term extend the olive branch, but, you know, and, and I saw it with Tuesday's event, the entrepreneurial event that we hosted in, in downtown Bridgeport. That was a collaborative effort between DSSD, our downtown special services district, the small minority business enterprise out of the city uh, of Bridgeport. Deborah. Um, yeah, Deborah was there. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to Lauren. Yes, Lauren is fantastic. Yeah, yeah she, exactly. she's a great partner. You know, I'm a big believer in downtown. Uh, you know, if, if downtown is thriving, you know, the rest of the city thrives, the rest of the region thrives. So she's doing a great job there. But we, and by need, the way, a lot of apartments coming in downtown. I'm there saying. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is. It's a good thing. It is. Yeah, we need a density, um, and that'll bring the services uh, yeah. that come behind it. So, but, um, you know, something that I think we all need to, you know, put our ego, check our egos at the door. Mm hmm. Uh, we need to do more things together. Uh, you know, there's a lot of awesome organizations, right? Um, and I'm referring to the Hispanic Chamber, the Southern Connecticut Black Chamber. Um, GBLN. Yeah, the Greater Latino Network. Yeah. All those groups, you know, yeah, we have a revenue model that's based on membership. And, and I, I tell them all the time, and I'm sincere when I say it, I don't care if you're a member of there or yeah. us or them. Let's do this together. And, and Tuesday was a testament to that. You know, they, we were all there together. And that's how it should be because um, we all win in that way. You know, so if we're all vested to speak to what Jorge mentioned We've got to come up with a plan. I'd, I'd pay a flat fee to be part of all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean? I mean, yeah, I get it. I, I get a it. master pass for something yeah, yeah. like that because there's so many. Yeah, uh, it's hard. It's they're hard. all doing the same thing. And they're all doing great work. They're all over Bridgeport. Yep, yep. So I'm a big believer in let's try to work together more because um, it, 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 like I said, and I'm sincere. I know it. I've seen yeah. it. It, it. We're better together. And you're lunching at the uh, at the, the Knowlton. It's an amazing venue. Yeah, yeah, you great. Know. Yeah, Sharon's doing an awesome job he's, there. He's doing a great job. Yeah, if you haven't been, if you're looking for event space, uh, yes. uh, Sharon over at the Knowlton on uh, on Knowlton Avenue there is is it's a great venue. Especially now, with, you know, when it's get, getting a little warmer, open mm -hmm. up the doors, and you're on, you know you got the water in the back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be doing our next annual meeting. Um, that was a year ago. Yeah. I can't believe it's already been a year, but we'll be doing the next one. It looks like it's going to be June 28th. Um, yeah, we'll probably have a solid 300 plus people there. Mm -hmm. I think the venue, we're going to be a little bit limited on space. I don't know. Sharon will probably get mad at me. But, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, we we'll might be a little bit limited. Well, you got to spread the love around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of it depends on the theme too. You yeah. know, like last year I, I mentioned earlier, the theme was arts, culture, tourism. Mm -hmm. What a perfect right. venue for that, right? Yeah. Um, where we invited the state of Connecticut, Connecticut uh, visit to CTA yeah, was there. And, it was a great presentation. Yeah, you know, so this year it's still economic development focused, but because all the work we're doing around manufacturers, it'll mm -hmm. be uh, focused around manufacturing and our education institutions and how they support that sector, but how they're also an economic driver to our, our communities. So, uh, so it's right. some good things to come. So how can people find out more about BRBC? Yeah, uh, you can go to our brand new website. Uh, at least it's got a, a fresher look. It's a 
I don't want to say it's lipstick on a pig, but but it, it's it, <laughs> it's it is refreshed. It's been refreshed, yeah. Um, and Phil Connor did a great yeah, job doing that. Phil. Yeah, hundred percent. Phil, but, it's okay that you follow the blueprint. That's what I'm doing it for. So. <laughs> uh, but brbc.org. It's yes. very simple. B as in Bridgeport Regional Business Council. Brbc.org. Uh, and of course, you can always call the office at two zero three 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 five thirty eight hundred. Um, and one of us will answer the phone. Awesome. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you get lucky, you'll get me to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are still in the, the, the dope offices up there in Middle Street? Middle Street, 10 yeah. Middle 10 Middle Street, Street 14th yeah. floor. Beautiful, Come beautiful. on, swing by. You know, I'll, I'll, I will say this. So not only is the view great, but we hosted um, a, kind of a co-working day. We had a, a, we had, we run a leads group. Phil runs mm-hmm. a leads group. He's starting to get his feet wet there. And um, we had a really good turnout. But we thought we would say, hey, you know, after the meeting, if anybody wants to come on up and yeah. do some co-working. Um, and I was kind of surprised That's on cool. the turnout. We had a really good turnout. And so it just shows you that people are, you know, post-COVID here are looking to get out. Yeah. They're looking to collaborate more. Um, so don't, you know, look up your local chamber. Yeah, you know, absolutely. if you're listening to this up in the Valley, you know, the Greater Valley is a great resource. Yes. Um, you know, Fairfield, Bev does a great job down in Fairfield uh, Chamber of Commerce. And we all work together. We're all trying to support each other. Um, so uh, visit visit us at brbc.org. There, I'm, I guarantee you there's something uh, for you there. Yeah, maybe we'll get a bike ride in with Doug. Because you've been riding a little bit more. Doing I, some I am doing the five uh, five borough bike tour on Sunday with nice. my son. Yeah, I rode that thing uh, a bunch of times with my previous company. Mm-hmm. We were one of the sponsors. So I always had mm-hmm. the VIP. I got the start up front. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever rode it. But, no, I've done the New York City Century. Yeah. But not the the five borough is great for family. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Things. And it's a great way to see the city. The first year, I'll never forget the first year we did it. I'm coming over the Queensboro Bridge onto the BQE. Yeah. And, you know, headed in one direction. I don't know if it was north or south or whatever. But headed in one direction was bumper to bumper traffic. And where I was going, coming across the bridge, it was just a sea of cyclists. I mean, they literally get like 10,000 yeah, cyclists. Yeah, it's huge. It's incredible. So I've done it for four or five years. Um, you know, stopped doing it after our company stopped sponsoring it, basically. Uh, but my son and I rode New York City to Philadelphia last year, wow. 125 miles over two days. Incredible. Yeah, it was just a great way, a uh, great experience. You see the city in a whole different way. 100%. Yeah. So, uh, so we're doing the five-city tour uh, or five-borough tour. Uh, for him mostly because right. he, he was like wow that was great and i was like you know you should do the five borough tour very cool get to see the city in a completely different light very cool well it's been a real joy to have you on the show pleasure to be here always thank you love thank the space and then love you guys and keep doing the good work that you do thank you sure, thank you so much Guys, if you enjoyed anything on the show today, found anything of value, we would appreciate it if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us grow, helps us promote other businesses, and help us uh, launch your brand. Yes, thank you, Jorge. We'll continue to spread the ministry of branding through Mission Control. Until next time, this is Ramon Peralta with Peralta Design, and we launch brands.